Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thinking Basketball Podcast. Welcome back. My name is Ben. Today, it's what many of you have been waiting for. Not basketball season to start, but for Dave Dufour and I to continue our annual, biannual, annual? If we do it twice a year, what is it? Is it semi-annual? How does that work? Yeah, I think that's that's semi-annual. Semi-annual. Our semi-annual tradition of previewing seasons when they begin. That means the regular season or the postseason. In this case, it's some sort of mutated pandemic hybrid. I don't know what's going on. You know, I we call these previews. I I prefer to think of them as one big conversation where we are wildly guessing about the thing that's going to happen right after. And that's it. It's It's just one conversation that will continue as long as we do these. Well, I like to think of them typically as sort of taking the pulse, a, a, a survey, if you will, of the landscape of things to look at that we can we can have knowledge about coming into the season. Um, but in this case, it does. We were talking about this right before we started recording. It does feel like guessing with, I don't know, the, the bubble just ended and some teams haven't played since you know, like 2015, it feels like, and other teams just wrapped up this wild postseason that now we're in a different environment playing in these empty arenas. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I feel I'm flying blinder than ever heading into this season. I've watched basically no preseason, and so I'm just trying to get a lay of the land in terms of how these teams are built and manufactured and how they're going to fit. How the sausage is made. <laughs> Did we talk about that last week on uh, the Athletic no. Podcast, Nerder, she wrote? No. Uh, so I, I purposely had you on there to talk about awards because I know awards won't come up on this show. You you tricked me. I did. Dave tricked me, yeah. He, he invited me on his podcast last week and said we were going to talk about awards. And what I didn't know that he meant was I needed to predict, or to use his word, guess, who was going to win each individual award in this upcoming season. And on top of that, I had to create made-up awards and uh, give my take on who would win the made-up awards, much to the chagrin of the audience of Nerder She Wrote. No, I don't think so. I, I think that, you know, it's a good thought exercise. Got us talking about some weird stuff. But so, th- so this season in particular, right? Like, w- we talked about how weird a lot of the awards are going to be because of the condensed schedule and and – the, the weird travel stuff because guy, they're not going to be traveling as much. We only have half a schedule, right? Yeah, and that's all I we've mean, we got should right point, now. We should point that out. There's only half a schedule so far. So the Utah Jazz play 37 games in 71 days. And I think that this is going to be one of the biggest factors in, in playoff races and is going to determine what teams do what at the trade deadline. Utah being more fresh than like the Lakers, who we all kind of expect to take their foot off the gas a little bit. Utah could be 
freaking coasting to a one seed. Or they could fall apart if they have one injury. Well, I feel like Utah always has these really imbalanced schedules where in the first half of the season something happens and then it's like, oh, they played all these games on the road or in the second half of the season they're backloaded with home Mm -hmm. games and they come roaring back. And actually, it's funny you mention them as a one seed. I mean, is that what you're coming out with? Should we start with the West, the the leader of the West? Are you saying it's going to be the Utah Jazz? No, 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 no. I just think their depth is going to be a huge asset for them. Um, Continuity, you know? We're not getting... Full training camps, not getting a lot of preseason games, not going to get a lot of practice time. And they brought everybody back, and he even brought favors back, which which solved some of their defensive woes from last year. You know, when Rudy Gobert was off the court, they were a bottom five defense, and now they don't have to do that. So uh, I, I like them for that reason. I don't like them because they're going to play 37 games in 71 days. Right. Yeah, no, that was what made me think of that. I was hoping we could get a, a Dufour hot take right out of the gate. Oh, no Because way. the the 30, are you saying you're going to warm up to it this year? We're only <laughs> only in the second half of the show is, are things going to get saucy. Um, 37 games in 71 days does sound like a little bit of a war of attrition to me, especially in these circumstances. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, that underperformance could kick in. And if you're like a legitimate four seed or something, Maybe you're standing there at the halfway mark. That's about the halfway mark, right? 37 mm-hmm. out of 72. Um, and you're like a seven seed or something, and people are sounding the alarms, especially after the contra- contract extension this week. Yeah. I, well, the other thing is, you look at a team like Portland, who I've now brought up this theory multiple times. I think that physically they should be poised to be in the best shape of, of any of the teams. It's, it's them and Phoenix, basically, because they got their normal season. Uh, up to the hiatus, so they were, reg- you know, right there with everyone else. They came back for the bubble, so they got a little mini training camp. They mm, got yep. their games in. Then they had another big break, and then they get a little mini training camp, and now they're ready. I mean, they should be physically the most ready. Um, Phoenix and, and and Portland in particular. Um, Portland, that team screams top two seed in the West because in a season like this, I love it. We're getting we're getting warmed up right out. That's of the not game. even hot. I don't should, even think that's we, hot. Should we start in the West? Of course. I mean, there's two ways. We, there's two yeah, ways we, we could kick this West. off. We're gonna we're gonna go through our playoff teams like we did last year, and any other kind of important high level takeaways with players or clubs. But we can start with what we think is the most important story that's kind of jumping off the page. Not obviously heavily narrative narrative driven, but just basketball thing that pops to you across the league this year is it Brooklyn whatever it is or we can just start with the west 1 through 8 Dave you're the guest you you pick well let's start with the west so are you we already did. To, yeah so let's right there are you going to say Portland is your one seed in the western conference in 2021 when uh, when the 72 games are finished all right see and now i immediately the couching begins it's not that it's not that Portland is going to be the best team in the West. It's just I think Portland is more poised to go for the one seed. I don't think the I mean, do we 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 agree that the Lakers are likely to take it a little easier this year than than last year? I think so. Yes, okay. I think that's going to be. I think that's natural. Um, the The question for me with the Lakers is: Does AD come out still younger ish legs? with the momentum he has 
and does he try to assert himself? Very similar in a way to the shift with the Lakers 20 years ago where it's Shaq, 2000 was Shaq's season. And then in 2001, Kobe really, I mean, he, he was at that point in his aging curve where he was naturally blossoming into that anyway. But he was less about defense, utility, all that other stuff that he was in 2000. 2001, he came out and he was just like, look, I, I am a grade A superstar as well. And Shaq isn't at the same regular season level. He's healing on company time, all of the yada, yada, yada with Shaq. And Kobe is carrying them. They did not have a good 2001 regular season for a number of reasons. But that's what's in my head. Like, is Davis going to come out with a regular season like that this year? Or is this just strictly a veteran playoff team so, at this point? Well, what's funny about this is that even if LeBron and AD decide to coast a little bit, let's say like 75% effort, that's that's just coasting, playing their normal minutes or whatever. This Lakers team is is pretty loaded. And they're going to score enough during the regular season to win games with just bare minimum effort defensively from from those guys. Marcus so, Saul, like Marcus Saul, if he can stay healthy, that's such a huge upgrade for them at at the five. It's going to preserve Anthony Davis. Like I look at the season, and it should be one about making sure those guys are fresh for the playoffs. But even if they just are, you know don't load manage and miss games, but they play let's say 32, 34 minutes light for LeBron. They're still going to be really good and could potentially be the one seed because they're bringing so much scoring off the bench and they've got the personnel to make up for Trez Harrell's weaknesses. I think they could still wind up being the one seed, even kind of coasting. My my concern, I think you're right, but my concern is... Because LeBron and AD could just turn it on for five minutes a game. Well, it's less about that and more about how you're succeeding and last year's team was a defensive, um, you know, I don't want to say juggernaut, but they were like very, very good defensively. And they won a lot of games by strangling you defensively. And they still obviously have the personnel to be a strong playoff defensive team. Mm-hmm. But the question is, in the regular season, instead of trotting out Dwight Howard's Dennis Rodman impression for 18 minutes off the off the bench... Um, McGee a specific type of defender right with with rim protection or playing drop or whatever now you've got a veteran in Gasol and then you're going to shift to Trez Harrell off the bench do they have another big um off the bench Dave and I are making the same confused face right now if there's a third big man that we can think of no 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 right they don't have another guy in that rotation it's gonna be Alex Caruso backup center Alex Caruso so that's my that's kind of my only concern is that you lose some of that physical bruising um like incredible backline length a little bit I say a little bit of course because LeBron and AD are still there right and and Marc Gasol is just such a good defender in theory yeah so uh, that's my that's my question with the Lakers I think I think I have a comp for them who is it's it? it could be the 2017 Cavs Regular By season. the way, this is this is how Dave and I talk all the time. It's just not podcasting. Like I'll say <laughs> That's true. a rant like that, and then he'll say, "I think I have a comp," and he'll wait for me to um, drill further on his question. Yeah. So yeah, twenty seventeen Cavs, right? Because once yeah. they got to the playoffs, it was a whole different animal. Well, the offense. I mean, that's a that, that in a way is a great example because the offense that year 
was such a well-oiled machine. And that was mm-hmm. a team that always had to play over its head defensively and at times did, right, to stay above water. Mm-hmm. I think they, I think historically they're undercredited for that 2016 series against Golden State. Um, you know, they're an example, that Cavs team in general is an example, somewhat like the Shaq Lakers teams at times, of a great offense that was doing just enough on defense. Mm-hmm. And, right, I think your point here is that and, and what I'm concerned about is that that doesn't necessarily lend itself to dominant regular seasons. But by right. the time you get to the postseason, then then everything can kick in. And then you look at the roster and you're not uncomfortable with Gasol, Davis, LeBron on your front line. Well, that team's net rating for the regular season was 3.1. And for the playoffs, it was 8. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 2017 you're talking about, right? L- legitimate flipping of a switch. Yeah, they. If I recall correctly, and my memory is just getting worse and worse by the day, they swept the Eastern Conference in the playoffs until yeah. they got to the finals. Is that right? Yeah. No, 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 no. They had lost one game. Okay, they lost one game. So they went. They went twelve and one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Bo, uh, yeah, they were twelve and one, and the Warriors were twelve and zero. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's the team that comes to mind when I'm thinking about this year's Lakers team. Like they could very easily do that, be the one seed, and then just flip the switch for the playoffs. I think they're going to win the title. Spoiler alert for our preview. I just think the Lakers are in a tier by themselves mm. because wow. they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So let's let's go down the hallway because I think it's always funny. It seems like every year, every couple years, there's this yo-yoing or massive pendulum swinging because of the narrative noise machine in basketball, the thing I feel like I'm – fighting against all the time so with the Clippers one of the things we talked about last year in our preview was this matchup with the Clippers and the Lakers I still especially studying the regular season film from last year I still like a lot of what the Clippers bring in that matchup they still have a lot of talent they have a new coach possibly possibly an upgrade Mm -hmm. at coach Um, are we doing this thing where they had all this Kawhi momentum the year before and you know relative to where I sat people might have been too high on them but now where I sit it feels like people are too low on them if that makes sense what what say you I absolutely people are too low a hundred percent this this team I think if there had been no hiatus they would have been in the conference finals if the season had just progressed as as normal I think that they would have been in the conference finals they were starting to play their best basketball they'd finally gotten everyone healthy and then they never reclaim that in the bubble, period. They never had the time to, to put all the pieces together. They didn't have the health. And, you know, it's still basketball. And, and the most cohesive teams with talent are going to win. They, they met a team that had a lot of talent and were just more cohesive. So I, I still think that everyone's being too low, mostly because Paul George just continues to put his foot in his mouth. And right. if he didn't do that, Maybe people would just say, all right, you know, they got beat, but they're still going to be tough. And they got better. He he shot well in the bubble, if I recall, and then was mm-hmm. really, I mean, I still see people look at that indelible moment where he hit the side of the backboard a- as the series was ending against Denver. Um, oh, by the way, he shot well in the series and they were down by like 18 points late in the game at that point. It's just one of those moments. It's like Antoine Jameson hitting the side of the backboard or airballing in 2010 for the Cavs as the Celtics 
completed the game six upset. Um, people have those moments and you take them out. And I feel like that thing has ballooned along with all of his comments. And I talked about this in my top 10 player video at the end of the bubble, just because Paul George isn't the sixth or ninth or 11th best player or whatever. I mean, you're still really, still a really good player, right? <laughs> people, people talk about him like he's not an all-star and he's still a nice fit with Kawhi. And I think the, they have two things to me that we talked about all of last year. You and I were kind of on the same page with this. The interior defense and sort of a point of attack shot creation or playmaking. And just right off the gate, that's why I think Ibaka is a nice upgrade over Trez Harrell. And then who else did they bring in? See, this is why I feel like I need a cheat sheet. Nobody. They lost Trez Harrell. They, they brought in Batum and Kennard. Kennard. Yeah. So, so maybe still not enough there. No. But, I mean, that's just to really round out your team to maybe, I don't know, this you, you were the one who said the Lakers were in a tier of their own. I mean, if they had another kind of medium-level shot creator along with Kawhi, mm-hmm. would you include them in that tier? Like, what, what, in other words, what keeps the Clippers clearly a rung below the Lakers for you this season? Well, the playmaking for sure. But also just needing to be able to see it. We we talked before we started recording that so much of what I'm bringing into this season is based on what I just saw, and I can't, I can't get over it. I mean, it was like yesterday. So I just need to see that these guys can actually perform as a basketball team. I guess they still have Lou Williams, but the problem with Lou Williams on offense is that you have to play <laughs> right. him on defense. You're giving up so much. I mean, right? Um, I wonder. I wonder how long they're going to have Lou. I don't know what the market is for them, but I imagine that they're going to look to potentially condense a few guys into one guy that might be able to help them a little bit more. Also, I wonder if Terrence Mann doesn't get a, a, a shot at doing some stuff. Who else do you think can challenge these teams that we've mentioned for the best regular season in the West? I, I think, I'm going to say it, I can see it on your I can see it in your eyes. Do you do you want to say Denver? I mean, Denver, theoretically, I just feel less confident about Denver without Jeremy Grant. Without No Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap's a year older. But on the other hand, you know, in theory, you're going to get more production, more minutes, better growth throughout the year from Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Gary Harris being healthy is big. Gary Harris being healthy, it's another hey, one. Here's the, my biggest issue with the Nuggets and what happened to them in the offseason is that they lost all their guys that play defense for them. So now your backup center isn't, you know, a Plumley. It's <laughs> who, who is their backup center? It's Isaiah Hartenstein. Hart, he's going to play backup center? Right. Is he going to be your defensive oh, substitution for Jokic? No. Jokic is going to have to play. Um, you know, they, they said Jamal Murray is going to have to play defense. Great. Well, they, Good. Well, and he what did about Jermichael Green? What well, about Jamichael Green? Jamichael Green is not a rim protector as a five, so he's not going to bring bring. I guess he'd be the same as Plumlee, uh, a little bit more mobile, um, maybe not as physical. But I think Paul Millsap ultimately needs to be the backup five. Man, it's oh, and then they lost it... Tory Craig, right? So now your yeah. your two best wing defenders are gone, and you're going to replace them with Michael Porter Jr. R.J. Hampton. <laughs> I don't know if he's I have no. I, I have no idea. I have no idea if RJ Hampton can can. I, I, I don't know what. I don't know if I could pick RJ Hampton out of a lineup today. 
Uh, he's, a, he's a very good athlete, but I, I right, wouldn't expect right. him to be guarding NBA players this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's really light, isn't he? He's listed yeah. at like 175 pounds. Yeah, he's pretty, the, pretty the, small. The guy I'm excited about with Denver, and if you are a listener, a regular listener to this show, and you don't know this player, you will love this player. I will try to get some video content or something on him this year. And that is Facundo Campazzo from Argentina a veteran, 29 years old or so, uh, making his NBA debut. He was, he's an unbelievable passer. He would be in my top 10 passers if I did the list tomorrow, Mm -hmm. now that he's in the NBA. And he was electrifying in the FIBA World Cup last summer. So it's one of those things that doesn't necessarily shore up any of the things we're talking about to try to plow you to a 60 win pace and the number one seed in the west during the regular season but man just having him and Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. like Denver does have a huge amount of offensive firepower that if everyone stays healthy and they all kind of go well they run good during the season Mm -hmm. I mean I think they're 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 gonna be up there I think that they will never have a weak offensive unit on the court ever. They never have to do, you know, the the bench unit. They can't score. It just won't be a right. thing. No, that's not going to be their team. Right. Um, yeah. And that puts you, you know, your 50-win team if you can do that under normal circumstances. Dave, have you ever had HelloFresh? I have, actually. Yes. Would you? It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is fun and easy. Uh, it's nice that I don't have to go out and look for ingredients. Right. Even though we cook a lot, I, it was significantly more fun and tasty and simpler than I thought it would be. Basically, you, you pick kind of what you want online. They got different meals with different information, low calorie, vegetarian, things like that. They send it to your doorstep. It's super fun, super easy and affordable. And yeah, well, what I really like is Sometimes I step outside my comfort zone a little bit. Mm, not yep. not necessarily comfort, but just stuff that I don't eat on a regular basis. It mixes up my palate. They have been nice enough to sponsor this episode. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash ThinkingBasketball90, this time ThinkingBasketball90, and use that code to get $90 off, including free shipping on your order. They offer convenient. As I said, they just drop it at your at your doorstep, so it's super convenient. The recipes are easy to follow, simple steps, guide you through it. And, uh, you know, in like 20 minutes, you can have something that everyone enjoys, easy and stress-free. I enjoyed it quite a bit. HelloFresh.com slash ThinkingBasketball90. Um, any other candidates here for you for the one seed? Did we, did we give enough love to Portland? I mean, look, the Portland stuff is pretty obvious. You know, you've got Damian Lillard, you've got... Nurkic, who looked great in the bubble. You got CJ McCollum. Again, it's that it's that high floor. Those high floor teams have a really good shot at getting a one seed in a year where the high ceiling teams are kind of taking it easy and thinking about the postseason. Hmm. I I also, and I think you do as well, love the addition of Covington. Sure. On that team. I mean, one, he's really underrated in general, but two, that that team just not having like functional wings, it feels like, for such a long time. And now they have tons. And now they have Derek Jones Jr., they have Covington. Rodney Hood. Hood is healthy again. Gary Trent. Man, you're now you're keep going. 
I mean, they, they, they've got a lot happening in Portland. Whisper to Pacific so, Northwest. Are we, are we going complete NPR? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and Zach Collins, Zach Collins will be back. They've got these lineup combinations that will allow them to keep defense on the court and play small, play fast. They can play big. I mean, Robert Covington, Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic is a pretty big front court if you want to go up against the Lakers. Is Zach going to play? I think so. I mean, it's here's the crazy thing about Zach Collins. He's still, besides that hair, which is always so perfect, he's still so young. He just mm-hmm. turned 23 years old. He just yeah. turned 23 years old. It feels like he's been injured forever. I mean, he missed all of last season and then had to leave the bubble early. So he kind of has. He's taking the Bill Walton comparisons from college way too literally <laughs> so far. Um, but if, he, have, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, though, just the lineup combinations they have. But also, be, like we watched, we watched Robert Covington be the best center in basketball for about four weeks. <laughs> but I, that's taking it a little too far. But Defensively, um, I mean, I don't think there's any way you can argue that what he was doing for the Rockets for about a month uh, after the trade was it a month? Did they get a month then? Yeah, so, no, they they did micro ball yeah. for at least four or five weeks there okay. before the bubble. Yeah. Yep. And I um, mean it it worked. And it worked because of Robert Covington. He's a good rim protector. He's a good rim protector, and then of course he's a good point of attack defender for yeah. his size. Uh, just a very, very interesting defensive player who then knows to try to hit spot up threes on offense and not take too much off the table. They have on paper a fascinating roster. Basically, no one is over 30. Their oldest players, a couple of them just turned 30. The rest of them in their 20s. You listed all the wings. They they have a guy waiting in the wings who I love, Harry Harry Giles. I mean, it's... Nice passing backup center, yeah. potentially. So, I, I mean, I get I get where you're coming from. I always just feel like with Portland... They swing heavily one way or the other. You think they're going to win 35, they win 51. You think they're going to win 51, they win 35. It's like, make up your mind. Um, but if everything clicks and everything comes together, we haven't even mentioned Derek Jones Jr., right? Acquisition, um, another big athletic wing. So I think there's a lot of potential there for that to work. But you're still not sold. We Anyone else, maybe one, uh, who, Dallas? No, I don't I don't see it with Dallas. Um I'm a bit of a Dallas pessimist here. They're going to really miss Porzingis, and I think he's going to be out for you know until the end of January. It could be longer though, mm. and I don't know how they make up for that production. So, you know, and they're starting. Dwight Powell is going to start for them. I, I'm pretty sure, and that guy's coming back from an Achilles tear, and he's a big. What's that going to look like? And he's a big who relies on that explosive. Well, the second jump in particular. I wasn't even see you're all the way at the end of the chain. Yeah, I was even just thinking his his role game mm-hmm. is a very explosive cut off of the screen. Oh yeah, it's not just his size, right? He's not that big. It's instead he sets the screen and he's trying to be quicker than you on the first step or two, and that of course is you know literally how he blew out the Achilles, the actual final play that did it. But it's how you're gonna you know how he's buttered his bread to a degree. Um, so that is a question, that explosiveness, both vertically and straight line, moving to the rim on those kinds of plays. Um, so I've got questions side, about him. Yes, but on the flip side, you've got Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. 
you in theory have a good partner with him in Josh Richardson. Perfect. Shore up some weaknesses there. And it's the I mean, that's the kind of narrative where if you're playing a top four pace with all those injuries. Well, that's M- yeah, MV- that's MVP, MVP City. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's the path to MVP for him. Yeah. Because it, Dallas just isn't as good without Kristaps, plain and simple. And now that they can't get Rudy Gobert, I don't know how they uh I don't know how they cover for that. Have you seen Christian Wood play in Houston? No. Okay. Has he played? I haven't I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I I've seen him play in Detroit okay. quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, um, I I have too. I have not seen him play in Houston. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that I'm tr- I'm trying to come up before we commit ourselves to the greatest guesses in the history of podcasting about <laughs> basketball uh, i'm just trying to understand if there are any it feels like a war of attrition it feels hard to drum up here let me take a step back and try to kind of explain what i'm thinking every season i go in thinking is it even possible for there to be a 2005 suns is there so so there's a lot that goes on to that right mm-hmm. like they completely changed the style of how they played and they took advantages of strengths that were there that everyone on the outside wasn't thinking were strengths. And in this case, I'm specifically thinking of Steve Nash's playmaking, Amari as a partner, and the three-point shooters. Right. I mean, for those who don't remember, the 2005 Suns, the seven seconds or less Suns that kicked off sort of pace and space and the whole thing, they were basically picked to miss the playoffs by everyone. Just the play. like People weren't even like, hey, they're going to make the playoffs they were dominant one seed so I'm always thinking of that when I look at a new season and the combinations it's very exciting to me the other thing I'm thinking of is there a 2008 Celtics and what I mean by that what I mean by that is new pieces that come together and we don't really think about the key fits of how they came together so with the Celtics everyone thought they'd be good but no one really thought they were a championship team and the one thing you constantly heard was there's only one ball, but there's three guys. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't notice that they fit fine on offense and that allowed them, especially with Garnett, to be historically good on defense. So I look around and I'm like, what's the team? A, is the is the environment ripe for this to happen? Right. And B, what is the team that could possibly do it? In the West? I don't see it. A- anywhere. But I, we're in the West. I mean, I'm running well, out of ideas. When we get to the East, I could say, <laughs> well, maybe it's Brooklyn. But I'm, I'm 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 like the last season of Game of Thrones here. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck and I got to get something out. I, it feels too like too soon. Was that too soon? It's funny because I know this season is going to be unpredictable as far as the regular season goes, but the postseason feels pretty predictable. That's the trap, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the trap. And we and we're just resigned to the fact that we have to throw out all regular season data once we get to the playoffs. There's very little that that actually matters. This year in general. Mm-hmm. No, that was a question. This year oh, or in yes. general? I'm saying <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Both. Both. Uh, um, yeah, Generally. Yeah. To, it's, a different, no. it's a different sport. It's a completely different sport. It, it, the, yeah, so I don't throw it out. I'm trying to sure. look at the data in the regular season that actually is relevant. Well, that's, right. That's the way to phrase it, yes. I think. And, yeah. and the relevant data is, do you have LeBron James? <laughs> do you have Anthony Davis? Well, in that sense, it's like you can look at how the Lakers perform with LeBron and Anthony Davis or the key lineups that they're actually going to trot out in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And you can look at how they perform. One thing I did last year, 
I think it was a Patreon only article, patreon.com slash thinking basketball. If you want to get those that trickle out during the season and, and support the show and all things I do, uh, it looked at the top team's performance against other top teams, like bottom feeding versus beating top teams. And as Milwaukee was still on like a 70 win pace, they were either right around, I can't remember if they were below the Lakers when I published it, but the point is that the Lakers were playing high-level teams very well, Right. Um, whereas relative to where they were in the standings, maybe the Bucks weren't. So, so I do yeah. think there is stuff you can look at as, as an indicator or a reflector of what you're talking about, but certainly your point here this year is that wherever whoever's the one seed in the West isn't necessarily going to be the favorite right. in the West. And, and I, I think the East could be the same. But I I do think the East is more likely to go in the order that that the teams are kind of uh, you know really going to be ranked. You know if if it's Bucks, Sixers, Heat, Celtics, let's say, or Nets, I, I feel like that's probably how it's going to shake out. Just because those teams, you know, you don't have the champ and you don't have Kawhi, so the incentives for uh, for for sort of taking your foot off the gas just aren't there. I mean, the Nets for sure. I think that they're going to watch the minutes with, with Kyrie and and especially with KD, but I think they're going to be trying to win every single game. I think that's going to be a real thing, especially with KD missing all of last year. They want to they want to shut up the haters, I'm sure. Um, so I think they're going to try to win. Unfortunately, I don't think that they're going to be good enough defensively to to be an, a regular season juggernaut. Um, you know, so well, Milwaukee think, probably winds up as the one or whatever. Yeah, but but to your point. The there's enough kind of uncertainty in the East that the East performance in the regular season when these teams are healthy will probably give us a, a pretty good indicator. Exactly. Yeah, no, I buy that. Yeah. I definitely buy that. Um, is there any, uh, maybe let's phrase it differently, who do you think could possibly take a big jump as a player this year? Like who's, this is always a weird crystal ball question, but I'm not asking it in the, out of the blue, most improved player right, sense. Right. I'm asking it in the sense of like, what guy who's kind of good becomes an all star, or what guy who's maybe around an all star can actually level up and be an all NBA player, be someone that moves the needle and makes one of these teams that we're missing jump a level and be a contender. Are we? Are we just sticking with the West? Well, we could go anywhere for okay. now. I think we're gonna have to come back through and get our get our picture sure. order here. Um, well, OG Ananobi. Is the number one guy that stands out to me. It it wouldn't shock me if by the end of this season we're seeing OG as the w- number one guy there and Pascal as the number two. So specifically things you've seen, and I've only seen a few clips of this, so you'll have to guide us through it. He's improved on offense in in his on-ball, self-generated offense in what ways? Well, he's got more craft to his game. And whether it was there or not beforehand, we didn't see it but more patience probing with his dribble, which is big. I mean, it's, it's one of the ways that uh, having a good floater is useful because if you can probe dribble, you, maybe you don't get to the basket, but you get into that that floater range. Uh, so that kind of stuff is what I like to see from a lead creator. And I think he that's what he's going to be. I think he's ultimately going to be a lead creator for them. Um, he can go – Can he pass yet, though? So, I, yes, a little bit, but I don't know – because he isn't really asked to do it as much in that offense. So I don't know what it's going to look like. Maybe if he gets a little bit of the Pascal push that we saw from Pascal last year, 
right? Where, I like that, the Pascal push. Yeah, so maybe yeah. OG is running second units without you know Kyle or, or Pascal on the court, and we get to see some of this stuff. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot we don't know, which is why I'm so high on his growth, because we've seen what he's done to this point, and I do know that there's something else in there that's untapped because you see flashes of it. Now he'll get a chance to do it. I think Shea Gildas Alexander is another one who's going to get a big chance. You know, no Chris Paul, no Dennis Schroeder. It's his team. Now he's going to have all this attention. His usage is going to go up. I think he was only at like 23% last year. So Shea is another guy that I expect to see like pretty big growth. And I assume John Morant continuing. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a future MVP. Mm, that's high. I think, I think he uh, – Wow. Well, his playmaking and scoring – I mean, it's recipe for MVP. If they were to have a 2005 Sun season in two years, would it shock you? Hmm. So maybe three years. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, mm, yeah, that's interesting. He he feels more like if you think of someone like Dame Lillard. Sure. Dame Lillard has zero MVPs for a reason. It's really hard to crack, especially these days, to crack that upper four, five, six player band to win MVPs when it's not like a totally down season right. where you've got Curry and Durant on the same team or LeBron, you know, voter fatigue on Giannis and right. things like that. Um, so that's that's high praise, although I, I definitely think Jaw is going to continue to grow and, and be a, a huge impact player this season and going forward. Okay, L- let's, uh, let's get slightly more organized. I mean, <laughs> we could attempt to. Number one seed in the West. Who who are you going with? Oh man, it it feels so. It's so tough. Why do I have to pick one? Well, it is. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Because I want to just say the Lakers, but not like not knowing whether they are going to push for it or not really does make a difference as to whether or not they win it. If they want to win it, I think they can win the West. If they don't, they could maybe be the four seed. Okay, I'll say the Lakers. Okay, I'll say Denver. But I'll just say Denver. I'll just say Denver. Okay. Uh, next four in the West. I've got the Clippers. I've got Denver as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to pick one more team here. I don't know. What do you think? I, I got Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Jazz. Blazers. I feel like I keep going too high on the Blazers. I don't know. I'll go with it. I'll go Blazers. I'm going Blazers in that group. The Jazz. Um, you like their bench. I do. I'm I'm less excited about their bench. How do you think Mike Conley's going to look this year? I think he's going to look pretty good. He looked pretty good in the bubble. The ball's going to be in, in Donovan Mitchell's hands, so Conley's going to be playing off the ball, secondary guy. Um, they're not going to ask too much. Healthy Boyan. I think that team's going to be pretty good. I think Conley's going to be pretty good. You know what? And Conley was mostly I'm, fine last year. Dave, I'm going to flip it. I think Phoenix gets in that group. You know what's funny? <laughs> Seth and I wrote uh, a little nerder preview treatment about the Suns, and I'm pretty sure we talked ourselves into a top six for the Suns. I think top six, six is very comfortable. I'm saying that four or five. Seth, I, I, I Seth and I, we, we batted that idea around that they could be a top four seed. Yeah, I, I still don't see anything and i mentioned this after the chris paul trade and i got i got a lot of hate haterade for mentioning after the chris paul trade that i only thought the suns were very good and not a championship team um i still qu- haven't quite figured out but was that before the they signed jay crowder 
It was right after the Chris Paul trade. But, I mean, I do like this. Booker just continues to impress. Um, You've got a really nice piece for the team around him in Bridges. Obviously, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder. What do you expect from uh, DeAndre Ayton this year? I'm as high on DeAndre Ayton as anybody I know. Is that because he's paired with Chris Paul? No. I mean, I think he's extremely talented. And we have this tendency. It's kind of like Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes. Okay. So right, you're focusing on. Right. You focus on the yeah. things that guys are so bad at. And people focus so much on his defense. And it's like, how many players at 18 years old are actually good at defense? Not many. And when you look at that year he played in Arizona, out of position for an old school coach, kind of, at least old school mindset from a positional standpoint. You just have to take that season and kind of throw it out. But the stuff that you don't throw out is the incredible touch, skill. He can put the ball on the floor. He's a good passer, crazy mobile, fast, athletic, can jump. I mean, he just has every other attribute you want, and yet people are judging him based on his defensive performance. Well, you watched him in his rookie year. You could see the growth even in that season. It's not like he was struggling with feel or with concepts. You know, second year – even though he missed 25 games, still ton of growth. His numbers look way better. Now, there's is he perfect? Absolutely not. Is he good? No. But if he can be average, <laughs> no, no. But if he could be average, that was amazing. If, if he could be average and do what he, he does offensively, is he perfect? No. Is he any good? Not really. Can he play in the NBA? You bet it. Yes. Yeah. Because the guy put up 18 and uh, 11 and a half last year. I mean, like legitimate production out of a five that's well, big I've, I've liked since his rookie season I've liked his post game mm-hmm. and his ability to kind of pop hit mid-range stuff it I don't think of it as some elite skill yet but the 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 glimpses are there right yeah and often that's what you're looking for with young players so if he could be an effective offensive partner with these guys um, another thing is I I trust Monty Williams from an X's and O's standpoint. You've got another coach on the on the floor and Chris Paul, and hopefully hopefully the milk doesn't sour there. But this is Chris's first season, and he you know goes there the first season. Things usually are looking up. Mm-hmm. Jay, Jay Crowder is a nice fit potentially, perfect fit. Yeah, I'm sticking with this. I'm sticking with Phoenix in in one of those top four or five you got, positions. Being able to slide Jay Crowder between the three and the four, a guy who's going to shoot 10 threes a game around Aiton and Booker, that is nuts. We should rename this show Two People Talk Themselves Into Things. Um, well, see, this is, I mean, this is the best time of the year to me. You and I have talked about this. My favorite basketball that I get to watch is Summer League. I didn't get that this year. Yeah. And so right now it's the preseason glow. Right where everything is positive, I haven't gotten to see anything negative on the court yet, so I can just be um, overly positive about every team. It's really, really not. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Rest of the playoff teams in the West, and then we'll 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 do the East. Okay, uh, this is where it gets tough, right? This is the the bottom, the play in. I mean, are we going seven through ten here? Is no, that- I want I want top eight. Let's let's stay with tradition for now. None of this. So I think I mean stuff. Dallas is in. But you notice you didn't name Dallas in your top five or six. I think it's less likely that they get in there. I mean, obviously, I'm high on Luka. I think it could definitely happen. Um, But, yeah, I've talked myself into Phoenix 
being more likely or Portland being more likely. But yeah, I, I, I mean, Dallas to me is one of the playoff teams mm-hmm. as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I could see them as a five or a six easily. And then the eight seed kind of goes, it could go in any direction. If Memphis is able to, to compete without Jaron Jackson, maybe they have a shot at it. If everything goes well for New Orleans and Zion can actually, you know, play basketball, maybe it's New Orleans. <laughs> If Steph what, Curry, what are, if Steph Curry is Steph Curry, maybe this is a moot conversation because Golden State is a top four seed. Nah, I don't think. I think it's too much to ask. I think it's too much to ask. I think. I think they would do well. They're one of the few teams I actually saw a glimpse of in the preseason, and I think they would do well. I mean, if James Wiseman turns out to be a, an effective NBA starter out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You still then need Draymond Green to bring some level of engagement and energy. They they almost look more like a team constructed to be a good de- defensive team and then be good enough on offense around Curry and some of those other pieces. It's so much to ask, at least the way I see it, to, to get into that range, 55-win pace or whatever it would be. I to think be the they're way seat? more likely. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, you said a top, top, top four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's way more likely they're exactly that. They're competing for an eight seed, that type of team, teetering on the line between are you winning 35 or 44 games this year, in an 82-game season or whatever. I'm not going to keep couching that in an 82-game season when I mention win pace. It's just an 82-game season. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you put I, I, any stock of, at all into their ninety nine point four preseason defensive rating? No, <laughs> absolutely none, zero. I just um, I hate man. I just hate to to bet against Steph Steph Curry. I get that. If if James Harden is in Houston, I think they're in. I, I agree with you. I think yeah. so too. I think you've so got that too eight, much talent. That, I, I don't seven? think they're. The, Do I, I don't think they're more? the eight seed. By the way, if if Houston's if James is playing in Houston. I don't think they're the eight seed. Well, that's why I was asking you about Christian Wood earlier, because apparently he's going to play center for him, right? You're Mm going to have Wood, Tucker. I mean, I mentioned this on the podcast last week with you. I could see a scenario where Houston all of a sudden comes out and they look really good and we forget all about this trade talk and all these things. Now, it still may be Harden's last season. Who knows? Sure, But But there's a chance they got better. Yeah, yeah. Is that eight teams? Can we go to the East? Yeah, we can go to the East. <laughs> uh, you like Philadelphia in the East. Is that I do. Right? Oh, man, I really like Philly. Yeah. Um, is that a Ben Simmons thing? Is that an Embiid thing? Is that a coaching roster construction thing? What's Or is that a, is that a Seth Curry thing? Well, it's. I mean, it's all of those things, right? I think Ben Simmons could win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I think he's in that category of defender. And he can do everything defensively. It's great. Like he's again, he's one of these players that people only focus on the fact that he doesn't shoot threes, and not the fact that without shooting threes, he's like a I don't know, top twenty five ish, top thirty player. Yeah, that's pretty pretty uh, spectacular. Um, and defensively, he's in the top five or ten. So I think I'm high on him. Obviously, we know about Embiid, and and the question marks with him are all health related. But they actually got a roster that fits around those guys. They got a coach that that has used Tobias Harris very effectively. I mean, just the fact that these guys are going to run pick and rolls is a big improvement offensively. And don't forget, two years ago, when 
Simmons and Embiid were on the court together, they were plus 9.5. And what what was the difference between the 18, 2018 team and the 2019 team? I think it was shooting. Yeah, and they got shooting. Yeah. So we no, missed I mean, we missed a year of what it would look like, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see it. I can see it absolutely working. And, and we talked right before we started recording about their bench adding. You know, when I look at a bench, I, I care about diversity. I care about can you bring in a guy to play a slightly different style lineup or you bring in Matisse and now your defense goes through the roof and you can hawk people on the ball. You bring in Shake Milton and you get um, – I mean, I guess at this point, Shake Milton gives you more a combination of like on-ball creation, mm-hmm. scoring, shooting kind of thing. Um, but that's what I look for with a bench. What are those first two or three guys able to bring you when you bring them in the game in terms of lineup diversity? And I think Philly does have some of that. So it's still a question of me for me of how all the pieces are going to fit. And maybe maybe the 08 Celtics are staring me in the face, Dave. Maybe it's the fact that Doc Rivers is coaching that team. He does some Mbutu thing with uh, Joel Embiid. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Not just a, a Linux operating system. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's – I actually think Doc Rivers might be the perfect coach for this roster hmm. because he's going to simplify everything. And I, I think that there's a certain point where – Last season, you could tell, like on the court, it was just overthinking stuff. Put your play your best players, put them in a position to succeed, and oftentimes that means staying out of their way. Go toward their strengths, go away from their weaknesses. Now, with that being said, I also don't think Doc Rivers is going to beg his you know star player to shoot threes, right? So I don't maybe think that's a should. bad thing. I don't think he should. Well, I, I've said this before. I don't think I feel like a broken record at this point with Simmons. It's not the threes; it's Get your post game better. Free throws. Punish people in those spots. Mid range and free throws. Make your free throws like, and get, quit fucking passing out of layups because well, you don't want to finish because you right. don't want to deal with contact. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. part of his post game. Like he can be a bully down low when he has the right matchups, especially in this league with the space and the size and his athleticism. And I would rather see him get really comfortable. Two moves, one to each shoulder, dipping into people, little hook, little mm-hmm. spin, and then work on his 10 to 15 foot shot. So your free throws, in theory, you, you don't have to be an 80% free throw shooter, but there's no reason he can't be a 65 to 70% free throw yeah. shooter. 70% yeah. and you are punishing other teams. Yep. But yep. you, he's got to take that contact. Matter of fact, he should be creating that contact even better because then you have control of your body. But, you know, there were, uh, I, I think he made a move uh, in one of the preseason games. I saw a clip of this. It was a nice move, but you want to be able to see him hit a shoulder fake and go back and finish with his left hand. He never finishes right. with his right. left hand I, around the basket. Well, he likes the – I'm okay He's with him. Um, yeah, I'm okay with him liking that little righty half hook. Yeah. But I, uh, to your point, he I would have a also counter. like – I, exactly. Yes. I would also like uh, just one counter move, just one other move that you could really play off that it could go so far. Um, the conference finalists, Celtics and Miami, you see either of these teams finishing at the top of the conference. Well, the Celtics got worse, plain and simple. Uh, losing Hayward is a big deal. They lost a lot of playmaking there that they needed. Kem- Kemba's not healthy. Uh, Kemba's the big question mark to me. I, 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 agree with you on Hayward in theory 
the only thing that I actually don't think makes it that meaningful is that he wasn't really healthy that much. So it's like you lose this higher end lineup in theory, but you kind of see a lot of strengths and success that they've already established with the lineup they have without him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I go back to Kemba. If but Kemba, with no Kemba. Without Kemba, I think you kind of, you lose a huge head of the dragon. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Well, that's where I the Hayward it, thing hurts hurts them even more. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think right. so. Well, are you are you thinking that Kemba's just is is he just kind of done? Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. I mean, th- at this point, I don't think he's do, done. But certainly, do you have the inside scoop on this? No, 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 no. I don't think he's done. But certainly, he's at the we have to manage his knees portion of his career. That's not great. I think we were at that stage last season. Probably. Well, we talked yeah. about it ahead of the playoffs or the bubble. Yeah. That was yeah. one of my concerns and one of the reasons why I said maybe they need to be bringing him off the bench because he could still get his minutes. Well, you could actually get his minutes down, but you could play him during crunch time and, and the key moments that you want Kimball Walker. Yeah, I still think that's a I still think that's a half baked idea. But maybe maybe at this point, I mean, I don't know if, if that's <sighs> it's a good way to manage a guy uh, a guy's career. Uh Seth, He's, you know, made this point about Goran Dragic that Miami did that with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also in my mind wandering back to Ginobili, where clearly for him there was a style that he wasn't going to play 42 minutes a game like that. He'd rather have right. him at 28 to 32. But maybe it's the same concept where if you are a high level team, and goodness knows I talk about things mattering on high level teams more than anyone. Right. Like maybe it makes some sense now that you've got Tatum, now that you've got Brown. Maybe it makes some sense to specialize Kemba's role more for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And then just like we see historically with guys like Manu, when you're in pressure situations in the playoffs, then it makes it more possible to crank up to 38 minutes and start right. him, you know, game four through game six, yeah. we're going to start Kemba. Yeah. Well, uh, no one looks back at moving Iguodala to the bench as a bad move. And Andre Iguodala was still a very good basketball player. To me, it was an all-star. Right, but but yeah, they started... They were bringing an all-star off their bench. Right, but they started yeah. the process of managing his load with June on their mind. And I, I think if you're if you're Boston, you should be doing the same thing with Kemba. And and what the funny thing is, they've got Marcus Smart. <laughs> it's not like that. there's this downgrade. Right, yeah, but, you know. it's interesting. And and then Jeff Teague as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, coming I, in look, this year. I think the, losing Wanamaker really sucks for them. I do think that Wanamaker to Teague is is a downgrade, but now we're sitting here talking about like your ninth man. I mean, it's does that matter in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I no, I just think in terms of the the management that we're discussing right. here. Yeah, I think Wanamaker um, is a, is a you know definitely it would be an upgrade over over Teague. I will say with the Celtics, I'm expecting one of their young players to actually move into the rotation this year. I feel like they have so many guys uh from like the last couple drafts robert williams we haven't even talked about him i i would expect well expect is the wrong word i think there's the potential for him to continue to move forward and be a viable defensive defensive piece and then of course what he brings you on offense with vertical spacing and potential short roll passing that you love and things like that i do i do love his his vision um, yes, you do. 
At, First but, thing he texted me about him. But at a certain point, you know, you got to start to say, okay, well, we're not seeing this stuff. And I get it. Like, it was a weird season, but we didn't see it in the bubble. I don't think – I think that if we would have started to see it in preseason, it would be all over social media because there might not be a player that that Celtics fans like on social media more than Robert Williams. This preseason, you're saying? Yeah. The fact if, that we haven't seen this – we haven't seen <laughs> massive tweeting this preseason from Celtics Twitter. Right. Is causing you to sell your Robert Williams it's, stock? I'm not selling it, but I'm just saying I'm not buying any more right now. Because I, oh, I I just worry that that his growth has stagnated. Because this is not a the typical learning curve for a guy with you know, with the potential that he has. Uh Javante Green, Romeo Langford, Tremont Waters, and the two rookies, Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard. I I am expecting one of those players to be in the rotation. I think they're going to have to be. Uh, I do want to make a distinction between have to be and a guy that you're just out of players, so you need 17 minutes, right? And some someone who can like actually when we get to the playoffs and we consider, play. yeah, he can play. He can be your seventh or eighth guy. I wonder um, if it'll be Nesmith. It I wonder what if makes it, you say that. Um, the shooting, right? Okay. You know, shooting's going to translate well. At least it ought to translate. Typically does. Um, you know, we'll see. Anyone else here for the top seed in the East? I mean, I think it's. I it's mean, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. It Milwaukee. I think it's yeah. Milwaukee, Milwaukee yeah. or or Philly, um, but likely Milwaukee. Uh, ton yep. of continuity, big yep. time upgrade for with getting Drew, guy who really does fit with what they're trying to do. I still think that they could use another playmaker, but DJ Augustine is more than adequate if they want to run. Uh, you know, uh, Augustine. Drew Middleton, Giannis, Brook lineup to close games or something I, that would get it done. You'd have a lot of uh, a lot of adequate ball handlers, adequate spacing. I mean, I think that would be a pretty good um, lineup for them. I think my biggest question for the Bucks because I agree with you. I think they are the they are the bet to finish with the best record in the East, and depending on what happens with the other teams, still be the team to beat. Right. Um, we'll have mm-hmm. to. It's really about what the other teams can bring. I think they've established a bar. So that segues nicely into my big question with the Bucks, which is will we see more diversity? Will we see something different on either end of the court? I'm just going to say yes, but I'm not going to go into any details. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. I'll just say yes and keep your eyes on the athletic. Keep your eyes on the athletic. But that sounds yeah. like you know. It sounds like you know something. No. I don't when know. You're anything. not telling us. I don't know anything. Um, but yes, definitely keep your eyes on the athletic. But I do think they're going to be different. Look, the the personnel has changed a little bit, but but mostly you can't go through what they just went through and not learn from it. I, I just feel like that has to be impossible. And so much of this stuff was predicted and came true. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, you know, tigers can't always change their stripes. So. <laughs> Who knows? I I will I will say with Milwaukee, I would like a little bit more shooting. Mm-hmm. Certainly, to feel comfortable. You know, yeah. I agree with you that more athleticism Drew, would be nice. Well, I think I think the Drew, um, Giannis, uh, even Divincenzo, right? Like mm-hmm. that that kind of athleticism is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. But Tor- maybe you were thinking of well, getting to I think getting Tory Craig is good for them. They could use another wing athlete. Um, even Bobby Portis, I think will give them good minutes. So do you think the, the sort of winning lineup for them is Giannis at 
five, and then Tory Craig, Middleton, Drew, one other Dante, guard, I assume. Dante, so, yeah, yeah, Dante for certain situations, and DJ Augustine for others. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It's a shame they lost that. George Hill because George Hill fits this team so perfectly as like a Swiss Army guy. Um, that that really is is going to be a big loss for them, I think. Uh, will Atlanta make the playoffs? Yeah. Wait, are we not talking about Miami? Oh, I thought you kind of glossed over. I asked you about Miami, and you kind of glossed over them. I assumed you weren't high well, on no, their no, no. It's not that I'm not one high seat on them. potential. So my thing with Miami is, I I just think they need another creator. That's it. Yep. And, and if, if they can figure that out, then they're just as dangerous as they were in the bubble. Well, let me let me amend that. I think Drogic's health and his Absolutely. ability to his ability to play sure like he was like he was playing um just sprinkled with magic fairy dust from a health perspective mm-hmm. in the bubble if he can bring that for the season then i do think they largely solve the problem that you just laid out on offense uh, well and then there are other issues that i'm concerned about as well right like what do nun hero and robinson look like now robinson is uh, to me the most likely to look like he looked in the bubble. Yes. But what is hero? He right. But what do hero and none look like? Um, you know, and hell, how, how even, how even good are those guys actually? Are, are you asking if Tyler hero merely looks like a regular NBA player or if he is an all-star? Well, I'm, I'm saying, uh, how does he look in non bubble situations shooting the basketball? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Tyler Hero shoot the basketball? I have, yeah. I mean, it's a very beautiful physical act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be fine. I think. I the, think I, so too. I feel like we're. I feel like we're going in the opposite direction here. I'm saying, I'm saying, does Hero? And it might not be this year because they just got out of the bubble, so maybe there's no time to do it. Yeah. But I see him as having a potentially very high ceiling. Like, there's a lot of upward trajectory growth. Mm-hmm. Based on the way he plays basketball, based on his personality, based on his physical tools. And so I think he's going to be fine. My question is, especially if Dragic fades out from health or age, is Hero the guy who's now adding that extra offensive dimension that you're looking for this season? Oh, okay. See, I don't think so. Yeah, we're, we're diverging on him. Okay, you think he could do it this season? Um, I think it's extremely unlikely because of the short layoff. I'm just sure. saying okay. I see I see his arrow pointed up, and it sounds like oh, you're saying. I mean, I think oh, he's going to get. No, 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 no. I think he's going to get better. I don't. I don't think he's going to be as good to start this season as what we just saw out of him. Oh, I I, I think he'll be in that range. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think the question. I think the question is whether he legitimately continues to improve, or if that's a longer term thing, or if he's kind of stuck as always being like uh you know as he gets into his mid-20s is he like just a good offensive kind of guard player yeah um yeah he's he's really interesting to me his shooting off the dribble surprised me in the bubble uh it's his shooting off the dribble and i think he has extremely surprising functional quickness Mm -hmm. right segueing into that shooting off the dribble so little herky-jerky moves or the the feel for how to set up a move or a release, um, he was, yeah, he. Uh, someone, one of my friends once once used this term to describe me. One of the few compliments I remember from when I could actually physically move around, um, deceptive quickness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He has a little deceptive quickness. Right. Little, he's yeah. good. At, he's good with throwing little feints to get where he needs to get to. Yeah. No. He's got good feel. Um, so you give it to me. You. My thing is, ease. I don't know if I don't know if he's as good as he just looked. That's what I. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, my I'm top not three. Top three in the East. Uh, yeah, top three or four, whatever that yeah. that group at the I, top of the East that you see is. I think Milwaukee, Philly, Miami is the top three, and then four or five is like Brooklyn, Boston. Interesting. Yeah. I think we've saved the juiciest conversation for last. Although we'll round out the East to to wrap. What the with show. It, Atlanta? No, we're going to round out the East with it, with Atlanta in a second. But Brooklyn to me is the juiciest. Oh yeah, because it's clear to me, and I think everyone. That they're going to have a good offense. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think they're going to have a good offense whether Kyrie Irving is healthy or not. Because I mean, at this point, it's weird how no one seems to all of a sudden be talking about his health concerns. He's he's been like he's been like very fragile mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, so it's hard to imagine that he's going to play the full slate. But I think they just have so much offensive talent around Durant, Dinwiddie. You get pieces like. Joe Harris. I think we talked about this right before we recorded. They're starting Irving, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant. That is an absurd amount of offensive talent that fits pretty well together. Dinwiddie being the one questionable one, but yes. Uh, for fit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's true to a degree, absolutely. His yep. size, though, does really make a big difference and it and it probably makes up for for maybe some of the ill-fitting off-ball stuff with him um yeah because he, and can, I think, he can rebound well i i think he's shooting um well yeah and and the fact that irving is such a good shooter a historically underrated shooter it's almost like if you can run a lot of stuff through and, and Kyrie's still got to get his two and a half post-ups a game i'm still looking forward to those but if you can um <laughs> If you can run enough stuff where Dinwiddie and Durant are breaking down the offense at the point of attack and creating, mm-hmm. and then it gets kicked back to Joe Harris or Kyrie Irving. Kyrie I mean, coming I, off a pin down? Yeah. Look, I think their offense is going to be elite. I don't see so a do reason I. why that's it's why, not going to be elite. That's why I think KD could win MVP and lead the league in scoring. I like how you waited till where are we in this like an, an hour. Hour and, and 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Why did you not lead with that? That is, I think, within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying this is the juiciest topic. We've left it for last. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, as long as the health doesn't completely fall off, clearly going to be a top four, five, six team, whatever it is. Right. The question, the question becomes, is there some huge super linear, multiplicative, any other math word I can think of effect on offense while the defense is good enough to sustain that, and now you're playing at a 60-win pace instead of a 50-win pace. Right. That's that's what I'm wondering with them. Yeah, for me, it's, it's all about that defense. Can they be, you know, out of the bottom 10? Yeah, just around... If they could be 18 to 18, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, then they got something. Now, what what does that mean come playoff time? Because back to the 2017 Cavs, I don't think this team is going to have a defensive switch it could flip. And not that that Cavs team necessarily turned into a defensive juggernaut, but they certainly turned the pressure up, and they were able to hit another level on offense. Yeah, I don't think that's the – I mean, that was the comp for the Lakers. I don't think that's the comp here. Right. No, Um, not at all. Not at all. Um, So, I I mean, I think that they could easily be a first-round out team. 
Yeah, I mean, the flip side, of course, is that the offense isn't quite as potent. We haven't even mentioned Landry Shamit, man. I mean, who I thought they were going to start, but I guess they're starting Dinwiddie instead. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. start the better player, you know? Listen, <laughs> listen you, you've Steve got Nash, an extremely coy coach, look on your face. Coach who, who do you Nash, think is the better player? Well, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is the better player. Okay, all right. Coach I want to make Nash, sure. Make it, making a good first decision by starting the better player uh, of of the guys that can play off the ball a well, little bit. A little bit. Because Dinwiddie is not very good off the ball. I think Shamit's much better off the ball. Well, of course he is, but he's just not a better player overall. Right, but this goes back to what we were just saying with Kemba. But he doesn't where, bring the other stuff that Dinwiddie does. He doesn't have that size. He doesn't he doesn't have the the playmaking ability. Like we saw that f- utter failure in in LA. And I think that if you're going to have a guy who is let's say not as good shooting off the ball as as Landry Shamit, I'll give you that. I, but I'd rather have the guy who's more comfortable doing other stuff that makes the rest of your lineup better. I I would rather and I wonder if we'll see this switch. I'd rather have Two movement guys, although Shamit's not at Harris's level, but I would rather have Shamit and Harris to play off those two other creators. Yeah, and then have and then have Dinwiddie come in and essentially kind of replace Kyrie's role. That's how I would structure. So, what it. if how- Kyrie was the movement guy, though? You know, you um, just talked about how he was a historic shooter. He's great as a as a catch and shoot guy. He actually is really good coming off of screens. Like he's a great. Uh, kind of screen runner. I, I would he, love to see more of that. Like play him a little bit more like Steph Curry, and all of a sudden you unlock a whole other thing for your offense. I mean, Kevin Durant knows firsthand what it's like to play with a, a guy like that. Is he okay with that? No, definitely not. Why do you, Why did he leave Cleveland? Because he wanted a ball, right? I, I mean, I like what you're talking about in theory. He there are some off-ball actions that he's really comfortable shooting into. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think his spot-up is very good. But I'm not sure. I I think, in general, now that off-ball is getting the overdue attention that it's deserved after many, many years of being in the in the wings and the dark shadows, now people are too quick to just think you can teach someone or just all of a sudden make someone run into their shots that's not used to doing that. You know, you can't just... You sure. can't just tell a guy, hey, run around for 18 seconds when you're not used to doing it. Learn how to use these screens fantastically. And then, oh, by the way, as you catch, now you have to do a whole thing where you haven't dribbled, you have no rhythm, and you have to change See, but the But Kyrie already your... does that stuff, though. That's the thing. He does it to a degree. You know what? No, yeah. but he normally takes it into a dribble move. And, and all you're asking him to do is, you know, take a shot instead of a dribble move, but... I don't think the Nets would even care. Just run off the screen and go into a dribble move. He's going to do what? 40 of them, get no advantage, and shoot a little fadeaway from 12 feet anyway. He's going to need his two-and-a-half post-ups a game. That's what you're That's yeah. what you're overlooking in this equation. But, but I, I think I'd rather have Dinwiddie out there than, than Shamit is ultimately what, what I'm getting at. Uh, Shamit, man, I, I just I – don't, I don't get it. I didn't get it. You know, it's what something you that Mo and I have talked about a lot. It felt like the Clippers Mo, were trying to turn Mo, Mo DeKeel, by the way, for oh yeah, Seth. I mean, uh, Dave likes to name drop like Seth and Mo, and you know well, all these, these guys. These are the guys I talk about basketball with the most, right? Um, but Mo and I, we talked about this a lot last year that the Clippers were kind of they did this whole thing with Shamit where they were turning him into a player that he wasn't, and how it juxtaposed when you looked at what Miami did with Duncan Robinson. 
they weren't telling Duncan Robinson, hey, you know, we need you to be a creator. They right. saying, yep. you know, you're a great shooter. You could be even better if that's what you did. And you get lucky if Duncan Robinson is able to do some things that he did show in the bubble, right? Like he did show that he could he can pump fake, go, and make a pass. Like, those are things well, that, you know, th- that's a good thing for him to be able to do. But with Shamit, it wasn't about that. It was forcing him into a role that he wasn't ready for, and then he was just failing so much. I thought it really affected the rest of his game. To be fair. Now, maybe it's different in Brooklyn, though. To be fair, Shamit was a good passer in college. Mm-hmm. It's a different physical game, which is why it doesn't translate. But he was a right. he was a good passer and playmaker in college, whereas mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson was applying to the ringer in college. So <laughs> maybe it was a slightly it was a slightly different uh, setup and expectation set from the coaching staff. Uh, let's let's finish it up. Atlanta in the who's the rest of your Eastern playoffs and is Atlanta in? I really got Dave with that one. Oh God, that that did get me. Um, I think Atlanta's in. I think Indiana's in. Um, I think Indiana's definitely in, right? Yeah, Indiana's in. Um, I mean, they could be good. The Wizards are are really interesting to me because I think that offense is gonna yes, it's gonna have some juice, and the defense will be better. Although we'll see. The, de- the defense will be better. All right, that that you may have gone too far there. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they, the bar is the worst ever, look, and they might still not be that much better. We're being optimists here, and when okay. we finish this, I'll tell you a funny story about their defense. Oh wait, we haven't we haven't actually uttered the city of Toronto. We have to say that is a formality, oh, I think. You know, so yeah. I, I've been catching myself with Toronto, just kind of overlooking them, and I hate to do that because right, you know, they've just had so much success. But um, losing Ibaka and Gasol is a big deal. You know, well, I mean, it's Ibaka and Gasol for Aaron Baines, so it's it well, might right. be an upgrade. I mean, it's it, it might it, be yeah. a physical. I mean, Aaron upgrade. Baines is. Yes, it may be a physical upgrade, and and he's going to shoot, right? So you don't get the record scratch moments that you get with Gasol, but you lose a lot of the passing. You do get similar screen setting, um, and defensively, I, I, it's a bit of a downgrade. Yeah, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Uh, no, 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 but Aaron, I, I think Aaron it's Baines closer. Is... Hold on, but it's closer at this point than anybody you know has ever has fairly given it credit for being. Well, there's this thing where – People joke about Aaron Baines. That people have asked me for my Aaron Baines profile in the Greatest Peak series. Yeah, um, but he's obviously like good. You know, he he does some things very well. One of the best screen is, setters to play in the NBA in the modern in a era. while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know he can hold his own in certain defensive coverages. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take stuff off the table. And the tippy toe three point bombing that his. I mean, he will just let that thing fly. Uh, on pick and pop situations, which you know we talk about this all the time. You guys certainly do it on Nerder. The willingness to shoot those shots at volume, and he's an yep. accurate shooter at this point, is incredibly important. So I, I am and not going to overlook Toronto. Gasol hurt. Their he hurt him by not always. Exactly. Yeah. The difference yep. in the series in the in the conference finals uh, 2019 was that Marc Gasol started shooting threes. That changed everything for Toronto against Milwaukee. He starts shooting three. Like everyone thinks about Van Vliet going nuts, but Mark started actually shooting threes, and it changed the series. Um, but I think they're going to miss Ibaka. Yeah, so they're in. So Eastern Eastern in. Conference Eastern Conference playoffs teams. I think uh, playoff teams. I think we agree on uh, Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Miami. I think Indiana's 
I, I got them in, and I think I they think could they're be, in. I think they could be pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's six, right? Did mm-hmm. I say Toronto seven? Yep. And on, I Atlanta. I'm going Atlanta. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going Atlanta. I it the I somehow where did they play Golden State? I somehow saw Atlanta briefly in the preseason as well, even though I feel like I've watched zero preseason basketball, and they did not look to me like they were going to be. Um, the team that you know takes a leap or kind of jumps or whatever off the page. They didn't mm-hmm. have. There was still a little too much discombobulation and stuff happening. But I now think there are en- enough adult players on the team and enough talent in the room around Trey Young's offense that even if they're kind of a not very good, you know, like the twenty fifth defensive team in the league, I think their offense is good enough to get them into that five hundred ish plus range that gets you competitive for the eighth seed so yeah that's my take on them i think if everything goes right though meaning they get some injury luck ahead of them the offense really clicks they're able to defend well enough i think they could get the five seed because the offense could be really really good the defense could also be absolutely horrific i should mention and something we should switch to last year i saw my now favorite method for laying out these kinds of preview thoughts about teams, mm-hmm. which is you give them two numbers. You give them their high if and things low. go well, and you give them their low. Yeah. And then you can kind of describe them like that, right? You're like, the Lakers are like a 1-4 exactly. or something. Um, and, you know, in this case, Atlanta would be, I don't know, Atlanta's like a 6-11 or a 7-11 to me or something Yeah, like or a 5-10 for me, right? Like, I think that they could have that big of a range. Yeah, that's so. You're a little. You you think they have a little more upside? I, I think if if the offense is really really as good as it could be, they, I mean they they could be nearly as good as Brooklyn offensively. They've got the pieces for it. It's just yeah, will I can it see work? That. Will it work? That's the that's the concern. I you know I almost always look at any kind of preview thing as let me give you the most like optimistic outcome. Because if I sit and just go and I could be pessimistic about every single team as it relates to injury or whatever else, right? It's just not it's not much fun to do that. It's way more fun if I'm, you know, talking about how, you know what, the Knicks are gonna be interesting. Maybe they're in the play in. The the New <laughs> York not. Knicks. Yeah, the they New would York not Knicks? be in the play in, no. Uh um, although I think well, Obi Toppin could be rookie of the year. Is there anyone else we've forgotten? Have we left out anyone from this conversation? I, I mean I don't, you want, I don't think do you, so. Like, okay. You don't even want to say... I don't feel comfortable saying this, by the way. I, I'm not going to say this. But you don't want to say, like, the Chicago Bulls or Charlotte That's the one Hornets. team. Chicago's the, the one the, team. Yeah. yeah, because they the upgrade in coach. You know, how many wins is that going to be worth? I really like Patrick that, Williams. That's 7.4 wins. Yeah, I really like Patrick Williams. Um, I don't know, you know, if, if he's going to be a key contributor. I think what there's if a lot Wendell, of question marks about Wendell Carter. What if Wendell Carter is one of those guys that now becomes a really good NBA player this year? Well, then all of a sudden they're they're kicking down the door. A Playoff bit, right? ish. Playoff ish. Yeah, they're close because th- th- this was not an awful team last year. I mean, they were bad, but it wasn't like you know they weren't yep. Cleveland. They were worse than they should have been last year. Probably. I think they're going to get some of that back with coaching. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wendell, well, is, Wendell is the great mystery box. We've we've left on a high note. We've made it. We've navigated our way through the NBA, and we've left on Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, and the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. The, 
the net. This is where every preview show ends, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. I, I where did we fi- what did we finish with last year? Uh, we at some point last year we had to talk you off the Warriors and Steph Curry winning like fifty five games or something. Um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and where where am I at right now? I'm literally like I'm, wa- I'm watching these these highlights and I'm thinking to myself, could the Warriors be <laughs> how, ma- how many? Give me your give me your two numbers for the Warriors. I mean, there's seventy two games. No, no, no. You're you're give me your high seed. Oh, high seed. And I was your low seed. Okay, yeah. I thought I thought you wanted wins. No, no. Who cares about? I was going to say, could they go sixty and twelve? You know. <laughs> so so that's a one. That's a one. No, that's not, no. Um, look, I think if everything goes well for the Warriors and you get you know unanimous MVP Steph Curry, you get you know defensive of the player of the year Draymond Green, they could be like the four seed. Okay, that seems more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just still seems know. still seems high, but oh, for sure. But look, man, I already say this all the time. It's hard for me to to bet against Steph Curry. He's just he's so good. He's the most skilled NBA player of all time. He's incredible. What do you mean? I don't want to derail the the show. We can't go into this. That's a oh, that's a all right. We'll just leave it. No, we'll leave it. Me, you, and yep. Kyle Mann will do a yep. podcast at some point, and that's yep. a teaser. Um, Steph Curry has taken. In his career, he maxed out 2019. He took 16 and a half threes every 100 possessions he was on the court. How many does he take this year? 24 per 100 possessions. Is that even possible? I mean, he he took 27. His career high in field goal attempts per 100 possessions is 29. Yeah, perfect. That feels impossible. (laughs) All right. I think we've given the people what they want here, Dave. Um, I, you know, I, I was definitely looking up what he's been shooting in the in the preseason or attempting to. If if NBA was uh, if the NBA site was easier to navigate, Steph Curry's at eleven three point attempts per game, but only twenty six minutes. Well, that's quite a bit. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is that is quite a bit. Yeah, yeah twenty. I think let's see if he can hit twenty this year. Dave, uh, you got anything you want to plug or no. let anyone know about before you I get mean, out of here? All right, you know, everybody knows where I'm at. Thanks, uh, thanks as always. I hope this. Did, did you have a, a HelloFresh <laughs> advertisement that you forgot to do? No, no, no. We did that. You don't remember that we did that? No. I hope this lived up to the billing for everyone. Um, if you want more content, if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash thinking basketball is the place to go. We are running the greatest peak series right now on YouTube, and you can get early access to those videos depending on your tier. Over on Patreon, we release them to different tiers uh, on Monday, the week before, and then around Friday for the weekend. We'll continue that series. Um, I guess this is the end of the year as well, the end of 2020. So huge thanks to everyone who has supported this and uh, made this all possible in what is a wild and crazy season. Hope you enjoy your holiday season, your New Year's, and that, of course, wherever you're listening, you're having a great day.